Welcome to episode 359 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, biohacker, author of What, When, Wine, and creator of the supplement line Avalon X. And I'm here with my co-host, Vanessa Spina, sports nutrition specialist, author of Keto Essentials, and creator of the Tone Breath Ketone Analyzer and Tone Lux Red Light Therapy Panels. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and ketogenicgirl.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this show do not constitute medical advice or treatment. To be featured on the show, email us your questions to questions at ifpodcast.com. We would love to hear from you. So pour yourself a mug of black coffee, a cup of tea, or even a glass of wine if it's that time and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hack. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous. And they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. 
I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Spina, and I have a wonderful co-host joining us again, Scott Emmons from MD Logic. How are you doing today, Scott? I'm doing wonderful. Pleasure to be back on the show with you, Vanessa. Looking forward to our questions for the day. I always get to learn so much and 
get a further understanding of what people are concerned with and the questions they have recently. So yeah, super excited. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited too. And just can't wait to get into these questions. I had so much fun recording the last one with you. So much fun to have you back here on this one. And it's early March when this episode is coming out. And it's my birthday week, March 8th. Hey, happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks. Spring break is coming up. The weather the weather should be breaking soon. So uh, looking forward to that. I am too. I'm really excited for just spring in general. <laughs> I mean, I'm enjoying winter more and more. Since I have started embracing the cold, learning about circadian health, cold adaptation, which we were just talking about in the last episode and all the benefits that you get from that. So we could talk actually a little bit about morning routines, but I've been, since I've been diving more deeply into this, red light is a huge part of my morning routine and also getting out and getting the sun on my body throughout the day, but specifically, especially at two times. And that's at sunrise, if I'm up for it, which I usually am. And in the winter, like just standing out there and doing some grounding, standing out in our garden, doing some grounding. I definitely look like a psychopath if you are not into any of this stuff, but I'm barefoot in the garden, like walking around just for like five to 10 minutes, getting some light on my body. And it's amazing to know that that's really signaling the melanopsin in my eyes and and skin and, and initiating these hormonal cascades and also getting a bit of UVA light a little bit later in the morning. And it's so important in the winter. Like I think about so often, so many of us work and live in indoor environments now, which is such a contrast to our ancestors. And not only that, but windows that we have filter out most of the red light and they let in all the blue. <laughs> and then we're staring at blue screens. It's almost like we're in an experiment designed to see like how bad is blue light for you? <laughs> because like the way we lives our, live our lives, we just get so little natural light. And you think about the winter time, if you don't live in Hawaii or Australia or other parts, the winter is generally cold. And so we're indoors even more. And I'm one of those people who always want, used to want to be comfortable all the time. And if I saw someone outside in the morning, in the winter barefoot, I'd be like, what is going on with that person? But Apparently, getting that light exposure during the day is even more important than avoiding blue light at night, which like says so much, right? Hundred percent. It 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 is so difficult to do in the winter, but I have really made an effort. Now, my son thinks I'm insane because where I ground, he he has a sliding basement door that he you know, and so I'm standing in front of his sliding basement door. So when he opens his curtains, every now and then he sees his dad in shorts and like 30 degree weather, standing barefoot out in the sun. He's like, "Dad, you're mental." And I'm like, "Listen, kid, when you're 52, you're going to be doing the same thing because you're going to be in worse shape than me." Because at least in my 20s, we were outdoors doing things. We didn't have computers. You're right. It really the amount of blue light and 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 more importantly the the fact that we really don't get much sunlight on our face like you get in your car you might have a little commute but even then your windows might be tinted and even a non-tinted window is preventing some of the natural light from from getting to you you really have to get some direct face and eye and skin exposure and the earlier in the morning the better it's going to reset your clock and if you don't believe me go camping for a week don't bring any melatonin or sleep aids 
Go out there, get wake up when the sun goes up, and I promise you by 9.30, you'll be knocked out uh, dead asleep. We spent so much time at our cabin or cottage growing up, and I always used to go to bed at like 8. Whenever we were there, when we were camping, it's the same thing. And I always used to think it was because we didn't have TV, <laughs> but it's probably, you know, that blue light coming from screens and just like the the routines that are that are so important. And it's it's amazing how these simple free hacks are just aligning ourselves with that circadian rhythm that ancestrally we would have spent all of our time outdoors. Like even if we were sleeping in caves or in, you know, in different like fabrication fabricated habitats, we would have been outside all the time. And now we're doing the exact opposite of that. And it's amazing how these really simple things like grounding like that. It's funny. Your son laughs at you because Luca loves it. Like kids have so much brown fat all over their bodies and we can actually gain it back. So there was this one study where this individual had a tumor on their adrenal glands and they were constantly secreting adrenaline and they had brown fat all over their bodies. So we can actually get it back. But when you're born, you have so much of it. So Luca doesn't really feel the cold much. Like when we're outside in the winter, he loves it. And it's very rare that he'll say to me, like, I'm cold. And it's because it's like really, really cold. And he's like dropped a glove or something like that. But kids have so much brown fat. They're constantly outside taking, trying to take clothes off. And we're like putting layers on them. And, you know, we can really learn so much from that. They're also in and out of ketosis all the time. And that's been really interesting with Luca because I have the tone device. I can check his ketones and he loves it. Like daddy checks his ketones, mommy checks her ketones, and he loves just taking it and blowing into it. And it's kind of fun because it's got graphics on it and it gives him, you know, a number, like a readout. And he's in ketosis all the time. And we're born with that you know, the brown fat and the metabolic flexibility and our super comfortable lifestyles and environments and convenience food basically gets rid of all of those like superpowers that we're born with. And now we're trying to, you know, reclaim through these different biohacks and things. You know, people, they look at biohacking and they sort of think like, I don't know if they think it's cheating or it's crazy, but really we're just trying to get our bodies back to the natural state of things. It's because the modern lifestyle makes that difficult. You know, it's funny. I, I hadn't even thought of it until you mentioned Luca, but I remember being five to like eight and outside for five or six hours in the snow, making a snowman, like for literally hours and not getting cold. Same. Making a fort. Yeah. Making a fort, which was, God, I used to love that. Your parents have to call you in and you're like, no. Yeah, it was very rare that like maybe my feet would get cold or something or my hands because the gloves were so, but like my body, I, like I never, I don't really recall shivering. I was basically out there building snow forts, having snowball fights, making snowmen for hours. And uh, yeah, and I think a lot of it was just your body's natural adaptation and, and the brown fat you develop and have when you're young. So that's a, a inter interesting observation with Luca. Yes, I notice that and I hear it from other people who practice similar morning routines, you know, with with grounding, with red light. So I'll tell you mine, like basically I do that outside and I turn on red light if I'm up before sunrise and I just have it ambiently. So like if I'm in the bathroom with Luca or he's having a bath or something and he loves, you know, having the red light and I try to do my red light therapy session sometime in there. And then typically I'll have a coffee 
with almond milk. And that's usually how I start like the first hour of my day or so. What about you? My first hour of the day is typically I will try to go for either a walk. If it's too cold, if it's you know not too cold, I'm going to go outside on the grass. It can't be concrete it's got, or it's got to be grass, barefoot, maybe 10 minutes in the sun, not long, just 10 minutes in the sun. And then I will be usually drinking my coffee simultaneously. Then if I ha- still have the the time, I'll just make some fresh squeezed lemon juice, which is really great to get your bile and your liver kind of going for the day. And then I may wait an hour or two, take a berberine, and then I'll make usually like three to four eggs over easy. And that's pretty much it. I just eat those eggs. And that gets me through most of the day, like to like one thirty, two o'clock. But my morning routine is basically getting light. That's the most important thing. Grounding if possible. And then coffee with some nutrients, electrolytes, and hydration. Pretty pretty simple. I love hearing people's morning routines. Like I, I have this one book and it's, um, I think it's called Morning Rituals of of Creatives or something like that. And it talks about all like the highest producing like poets and writers and scientists. And it just, every page is like their morning routine. And, and sometimes it's their whole day. And it's so funny because it's like some of the most prolific writers that we absolutely adore and revere. They were like sleeping in the day, getting up, smoking a pack of cigarettes, <laughs> having coffee, <laughs> staying indoors a lot, you know, just like re- some like really unhealthy like situations. But it's like they did whatever they could to preserve their creative energies. And it's just funny because some of them are like really healthy and then others are just like, they're so unhealthy. And yet they, it was whatever they needed to be able to to perform. And I I know for myself, in order to be really productive and clear and coherent and creative, especially, I have to protect my mental energy so much the rest of the time. Like I have to, when I'm not preparing to podcast, I have to do like nothing. I have to <laughs> basically do nothing. And I also have to protect myself constantly from negative news and negative, like just negativity. And if I do that, then I can be really creative and like high producing. And it's almost to the point where like, I have all these boundaries around me to like prevent that stuff from getting in, but I have to be like this. And and I'm, I have to tell my husband all the time, like, I don't want to hear that a horrible story because like, I have to protect my energy. And it's, it's interesting. Do you have anything like that? Like that? you feel like you have to create boundaries around or like to get in the flow, get in a flow state or something. Yeah. So that's fast. I had, I had not even mentioned this to you at all. I don't think, but I have been working on some articles and considering, so launching a podcast, that's going to be health-based probably January 22nd is my goal, but I've been, you know, let's just hope it's January 22nd. But I also have been thinking about launching a podcast called emotional conservation. And it's a combination. What? Yeah, seriously. So this is so crazy that you're mentioning this because I literally haven't I haven't mentioned this to anyone. Wow. Yeah. And the and the whole idea is that look, you only have so much creative mental energy to output, right? And and so what are the things you can do to help yourself 
you know, keep both your, your emotional conservation and your emotional IQ functioning, right? So your emotional IQ is, you know, how well you're able to empathize, how well you're able to understand like what other people are going through and when the right thing to say is something. But when your emotional conservation or your emotional stores are low, your emotional IQ by default, even if you know what to do, becomes harder to do it because you're agitated, you're tired, you haven't saved up the energy, you can't be creative, you get overwhelmed. So that's something I've been digging a lot into. And one of the things I've found that's been helpful is not just the morning routine, but the nighttime routine helps set up the morning routine. So for example, I have a jug of water that I put next to my bed before I go to bed. I have an electrolyte pack next to that jug of water. And so sometimes I'll take electrolytes, sometimes I won't, but I will chug the water first thing in the morning when I wake up. Like that's like the first thing I do, but I have it at in the night. My gratitude journal, instead of writing in the morning when I've already, like I'm ready to go and get going, I'll kind of write that in the evening. If I've got concerns or worries, I write those down in the evening, you know, shut off my phone. I put it on do not disturb in airplane mode eh, around 9.30 or 10 o'clock. And then that's it. Then I get in bed and I'm like, I'm prepared and ready for the next day because I don't have things hanging over me. I know what I want to do. And that helps with the emotional conservancy. And then as far as the news and negative media, yeah, that that doesn't go on at all past like two o'clock, if ever. I just try to skip through it. Even when I go to like my little Microsoft browser and it's got articles that are clickbait, I'm like, skip. Nope, don't want to hear that. Don't care. Because you know, you've only got so much emotion to give out. Yeah, really interesting you mentioned that. So you may be seeing the, the Emotional Conservation Podcast <laughs> sometime in 2024. Well, you're going to have to have me on as a guest because like, I'm obsessed with this topic. You're booked. Consider yourself booked. It's so funny because I, I just tell Pete all the time, like, like he'll just, he's a protector. He's a provider. He's a protector. He's constantly screening information for danger. He's on Twitter or X a lot. And he's like telling me information. And I'm like, this information does nothing <laughs> for me or for my ability to create positivity in the world. And he doesn't fully get it, I think, because he he really needs to be informed because that's his primary goals, like protecting and providing for us. But like, I'm a creative person and that stuff just like sucks all my positive energy out and it just kills it. And there's so much negative news that is so, it's a, like this really disempowering feeling. I'm not saying be ignorant, but it you feel so disempowered by it. And so you know, I think maybe I'm like sensitive also to other people's states. Like anytime I hear about something horrible happening, I'm like to someone else, I just feel it. Like I feel it. And then I can't get in a good state to be creative or I can't get in the flow. You really have to protect like yourself and your, your mental energy. If you're going to go out and create and have the energy to create. And at the end of the day, I think it's okay to be maybe a little bit ignorant sometimes of the bad things happening in the world, because that's what the news is always highlighting. And they're not highlighting the fact that like, you know, let's say 500,000 successful births happened today. And like this 95 year old man celebrated his birthday surrounded by all his family. And like these people just got a well in their village. Like no one, I mean, there are actually, there's like some Instagram accounts now that finally have, good news. Those are the only ones I like to follow, but it doesn't get clicks. It doesn't get reactions. And now it seems like so much of the content that we see is like, there's actually accounts that I've heard on podcasts there. 
their whole MO is just posting stuff that is controversial or gives you a negative reaction because it gets the most engagement. Like they purposely are designing content for people that will make them click or comment. And it's the stuff that makes you feel outraged. And it's like, I don't want to feel outraged. Like I don't want to feel, you know, all this. And then all your energy then like goes towards that. And then you don't have it left for yourself and for the things you, for the good you want to put out for the the good you want to put out into the world. So I think it's okay to be conservative and be protective of your energy. And I, I used to be a lot like Pete, right? And I would, I would do dive into research and articles and what's going on in the world and, you know, try to spread this information. And, and what I found was it didn't make my family happier. It didn't help them. It made them feel exactly like you said. And I think the the more empathetic you are, the more it negatively affects you because you want to help. But there's very little that you can tangibly do in a lot of these situations. Can you be supportive of people? Can you feel empathy for them? Yes. But the way that it's portrayed is sort of like, it's your fault the environment's dying and it's your fault and you should do this. And people, then they want to pick sides. Look, we pick sides over football teams and politicians and whether, you know, this brand is better than that brand or whether, you know, we pick sides over almost anything. And I think that's been weaponized to some extent because it works. Like to your point, it gets clicks, it gets people engaged, it gets engagement, it keeps people on. You know, I don't see people on Twitter for two hours having, hey, I really like you too. It's though, and I think your point is wrong and your point, no, here's my point. And you know what happens at the end of the day? Neither one of them has convinced them of anything other than they've spent two hours arguing and spending a lot of negative energy. So I just walked away from that because it it really doesn't it doesn't do any good and it does leave you feeling a little bit unempowered but also for people like i think for you and i and other people that are empathetic it kind of hurts you know and you just it leaves you with this sort of sad feeling so i get where pete's coming from and i used to do that same thing and i just realized it's not helping my family and frankly it wasn't helping me either because i'm like i i've i started spinning down this negative sort of spiral i'm like got gotta cut that out so about three years ago i just stopped watching the news pretty much altogether. But believe it or not, no matter how much you try to not watch the news, you still get it anyway. So if it's really that important, you're not going to be ignorant. You're going to hear about it. You're going to know about it. It's just not in your face all the time. It's not being presented by me to my family where they're like, is dad losing it? Like he really seems tense about this stuff, you know? <laughs> and kids want to feel safe. It's designed to make you tense. It's designed to make tense and to react and to get that reaction from you. And I'm so glad that you became aware of it. it. It's hard sometimes to make people be aware of it. Like, so I have this game I play with Pete, like, so he'll tell me the news of the day. And I'm like, thanks for the daily outrage. <laughs> like, you know, we're, we're all like addicted to it. And it is very addictive. And, you know, I, I think like he'll, he'll smile when I say that, but it's true. Like, you know, you, your brain starts to become more and more wired a certain way towards like getting used to receiving certain feelings and emotions and, and reactions. And it's definitely being used against us. Like our, the fact that we are like that. And the fact that we're programmed to always be looking for that tiger in the bush, that the negative stuff it sticks out, it stands out so much more. And you have to actually deliberately put boundaries around yourself to make sure you cultivate the opposite. Cause you're always going to be, we are the descendants of the most paranoid, <laughs> the 
the most, you know, conspiracy theorists like cavemen and women because the ones who were not looking for the tigers in the bush got pretty much eaten, right? Yeah, yeah, they're right, they're right here. Welcome to the to Daily PSA with Scott and Vanessa. Yeah, I, I could talk about this stuff for hours. Yeah, it's it, I love talking about morning routines, biohacks. I got all fired up about the biohacks from the last episode that we talked about. Hi, friends. I'm about to tell you how to get up to 39% off or $300 off one of my favorite air purifiers ever. That's right, up to 39% off or up to $300 off. Keep listening. So as you guys know, I am obsessed with clean air. It has such a profound effect on my health, my experience of the world. I notice a huge difference when I'm in clean air versus not. And I keep the air in my apartment so clean. When the apartment maintenance people came to check the air ducts in all of the apartments, they said to me that my apartment had the cleanest air of any apartment in the entire complex. And these are people who are literally checking the air in the apartments. You guys know I am all about cleaning up our exposure to toxins and our air is one of the main ways that we are exposed to those every single day. Think about it. You are literally living in the air 24-7. And Americans today spend 90% of our time indoors. And according to the EPA, did you know that indoor air can actually be up to 100 times more polluted than outdoor air? We're talking about the off-gassing chemicals that come from your furniture, from all of the products that we have, from the plastics, our cleaning products, VOCs. Whenever you're cooking, you can release toxins and then don't even get me started on viruses and mold. I personally in the past lived in an apartment with mold exposure and it wrecked my health. It really was the catalyst and what I like to refer to as the black hole part of my life that I had from living in mold. That was before I was using air purifiers. I am thrilled that this podcast is sponsored in part by Air Doctor. I already had an Air Doctor unit before we partnered with them. So when they reached out, I was an immediate yes. I was like, please let me share this with my audience. Air Doctor filters out dangerous contaminants and allergens like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Oh, do not get me started on the pet dander. I am so allergic to that. In fact, every time I go over to my parents' house, they have lots of pets and I'm just like, can I please get you some air purifiers? So if you would like all of that out of your air, you need an air doctor. What I love about Air Doctor's mission is they actually have a mission to make pure, clean air affordable and accessible to everyone because I know air purifiers can be expensive, so they wanted to change that, make it accessible, and make units that could fit everybody for the exact type of unit that they need for their lifestyle. The units are powerful enough to circulate the air in a 630 square foot plus room four times per hour and have multiple filters. They have an ultra HEPA filter as well as a carbon gas and trap VOC filter. And what I love is they look very stylish and they are so quiet. So friends, I have had a lot of air purifiers in my life. Air Doctor is the only one that I run while podcasting. So yes, those WhisperJet fans are 30% quieter than the fans in ordinary air purifiers. So especially moms, if you have kids and you want to protect their health, you want them breathing clean air and they will be able to sleep because these machines are so quiet. What's also super cool is their auto mode sensor. The Air Doctor auto mode really works. Whenever I'm cooking in my kitchen, if I cook some meat on a grill, it immediately springs into action and then I can hear it. 
because then it goes into high mode. It's very, very impressive. Every time it happens, I'm like, oh, it really does know. And Air Doctor has an incredible, fantastic, amazing offer for our audience. It's time to get peace of mind with Air Doctor. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, you can just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code IFPODCAST. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off. That's right. You can lock in this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code IFPODCAST. One last time, that's up to 39% off or up to $300 off if you go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code IFPODCAST. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. We had some really phenomenal questions as usual. Let's get into to some of today's questions. The first one comes to us from Sadie, if you'd like to read it, Scott. Absolutely. Thank you, Sadie, for the question. From Sadie, I understand the concept and goal of consuming X amount of total protein per day. For me, it's desired body weight or lean mass because I have a lot of body fat to lose. And the goal to consume at least 30 to 40 grams of protein at each meal to get enough leucine to activate PMS. I don't think we want to activate PMS. I think we're talking about muscle protein synthesis, or in this case, protein muscle synthesis. But Vanessa, I would guess you're not, we're not looking to activate PMS anytime. I don't want to activate PMS. I definitely want to activate muscle protein synthesis. And we all know Sadie was meaning to say muscle protein synthesis, but she probably had autocorrect on and it gets me every time. So we had to have a little fun with that. I love typos. I, I love them. They are so funny. So yeah. Enough leucine to activate the muscle protein synthesis. But if I'm doing one to two protein shakes a day to help keep calories low and lose body fat with just one scoop of whey protein, 20 grams of protein with added EA powder to increase the leucine content to activate MPS, doing this until tone protein comes out, would my total protein for the day decrease since each shake is only 20 grams, but enough leucine to activate? Hope that makes sense. So you think, yes, it does, but Vanessa, take it away. So this is exactly why we created Tone Protein is to be able to hit your protein target without having to, you know, take down like six chicken breasts all the time and to be able to, you know, eating 100 to 150 grams of protein. I think a lot of people fall in that sort of amount for their their daily target. And it's it's sometimes hard to get that. That's like the number one thing I hear from people is that how do I possibly eat this much protein a day? We're not used to it. Maybe men are more used to it. Women are not used to it. We're used to eating salads and, you know, light food, calorie calorie light foods and diet foods and things like that, that we were told would help us recompose our bodies. We didn't know we were supposed to be eating the protein and hitting the gym instead of, you know, eating the salads and hitting the treadmill. And that's shifting now, you know, we're understanding what fitness really is from a female perspective as well. And I think just hitting that protein target, it can be difficult because it's a learning curve. There's a learning curve. And I've, I've learned how to do it in different ways, but I wanted to create something that I myself could use so that I could take one serving of a high quality whey protein shake that is enhanced with leucine, similar to what you're doing by adding in some actually essential amino acids, but you could just be adding in BCAAs and you'd be enhancing your protein meal 
or your protein shake in this case with the added leucine content. And so you don't need the EAA powder, just BCAs, or you could just take tone protein because said you said you were doing this until tone protein comes out. <laughs> it's definitely out now. And so you could either do that, keep doing what you're doing, or you could try tone protein because it does the same thing. But to answer your question, your total protein for the day will decrease because you're getting maybe five or six less grams doing a scoop of tone protein or the scoop of the whey protein with the added BCAAs. So the shakes, like you were saying, they end up being less than that like 30 to 35 gram range that I recommend for a protein meal. But it doesn't matter because what matters is you're raising the level loosening in your blood to initiate PMS or <laughs> muscle protein synthesis. Yeah, we'll call that we'll call that protein muscle synthesis. Yes. <laughs> exactly. It is MPS though for, for folks who just want to be totally clear on it. By the time folks are hearing this podcast, Vanessa, MD Lodge will have launched a leucine only capsule. So you will not need to have anything other than just the leucine capsule. And so you could add it to the whey protein, although you don't need to because you're getting four full grams. But let's say you're traveling and you want to have the chicken breast, but you want to make sure you're getting enough leucine or you you want to have just two spikes. You want to have a spike before your workout, but you don't want to have another protein shake. You just want to have a full meal, but you want to just kind of make sure am I getting that leucine? You'll get three capsules will give you 1.5 grams. So if you do four capsules, you'd be close to two and six capsules give you a full three grams of leucine. So if you were to take three capsules with a meal, you'd, pr- you'd probably be right in that three to four gram range, depending on the meal you're eating. We'll also be, we'll, we will probably also by this point have an essential amino acid powder out that's going to be coming out and it will have two grams of leucine total. So it's not going to hit that quite that four. But to me, that would be something that I'm going to experiment with pre-workout. So it's going to be kind of my pre-workout drink. I might add a leucine capsule or two to it prior to my workout. And then my post-workout is going to be uh, the tone protein because I'm going to get the full grams of a complete 20 grams of protein plus the, you know, the four grams of leucine for me, I, it's hard for me to drink um, a protein shake and work out. I like to be a little lighter in my stomach when I work out. So I'm probably going to do like an EA pre-workout, maybe with a leucine cap or not. And then my tone protein shake will either be like in the morning as a substitute for my breakfast. And then that'll be my post-workout because I'm really at that age of 52. It's getting more difficult to maintain muscle mass. So that's probably going to be my routine. I'll keep you posted once if I get to come back after March and we'll let you know how that routine is going. But I'm, I'm super excited just for the tone. I've seen an improvement with just that. But I think I think my routine is going to be a tone protein post, an EAA pre, and loosing capsules with meals or when I'm traveling and I just can't bring along the, the tone or the powders. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And yeah, I love that uh, you love tone protein too. And so does Sadie. (laughs) I hope that you get to try it out and let us know how you are liking it, Sadie. But I love that in the meantime, you know, you crafted your own formulation. That's, that's totally what I've been doing for years. And so, and I know you have, you have been too, Scott. So our next question comes to us from Karen on Facebook. And she says, can you speak to quote unquote, natural flavors. I have heard and read to steer clear as there isn't much regulation on what they can include. However, 
many products that are endorsed by people that I have come to trust have them. So how do you shift through what is healthy and what is not? So that's a, that's a great question. And I think the reason that you are saying, you know, many people you've come to trust have them in, in their product is in order to make any kind of flavor, you need a natural flavor binder of some kind. Like uh, for vanilla, for example, it's very hard to extract the flavor out of the bean. And so you need to utilize the natural vanilla flavor and combine it with other natural flavors to make sure that that it pops. So if you've got a reputable company that you trust and people that you trust, they're going to have natural flavors that are that are exactly what they say, right? It's natural flavors to enhance the vanilla flavor or the orange flavor. So if it's a protein drink from a company you trust, or it is a pre-workout drink from a company that you trust, and there aren't 18 or 19 different ingredients like silicon dioxides and dyes and flavors and other things, I think you're you're really safe. Now, they are regulated in terms of grass. I mean, the FDA says they have to be generally recognized as safe. You're often, you'll often hear, hear to that referred to as grass. So they have to be generally recognized as safe to be included in whatever it is you're eating. Where I get concerned on natural flavors is particularly in things like processed foods or processed sugary drinks, for example. Potato chips are a good example. Cheetos are a good example. Fast food is another one where they will add these natural flavors. And, you know, at that point, it could be a cacophony of, you know, 19 different ingredients. Whereas typically when you're looking at something like a, a whey protein or a pre-workout drink, you're looking at two or three ingredients in those natural flavors that are, you know, not only grass, but but in our case, you know, make sure that they're they're beyond grass. Like they're they're safe for your body to take. So I think if it's someone you trust and a brand you trust and it's in a health product, you can be pretty confident you're you're in good shape. If it's coming from potato chips or some sort of Dorito-like or or spicy sort of salty thing or fast food, processed food or frozen pizzas, yeah, I'd steer away from those. So I wouldn't lump them all in the same bucket. There's definitely a distinction between brands you trust in the health space and you know your processed foods or sausages and things like that. So hopefully that helps clarify the the differences. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing all that information, Scott. I know, you know, being involved in supplement manufacturing for so many years, you are the best person to ask this question to. And it's really, really helpful and informative. So thank you so much for answering that. And thank you, Karen, for your question. And we have a question from Katie on Facebook. Okay. Hi, Katie. Thank you for your question. I am so torn between fasting and eating enough protein. I've been fasting 18 to 20 hours a day, occasionally 20 to 24 for three plus years. It's weird for me to eat before 1 p.m. I have such a hard time doing that. I'm usually at work and prefer to eat when I get home. And for years, I've heard in your podcast and others that a four to six hour eating window was great for health. But now I'm learning more about the power of eating more protein, especially in menopause. I'm almost 53 and have been in menopause for two years. Do I ditch the short eating window for more protein or try to cram it all in in four hours? Does Vanessa still fast? Question mark. I think I remember her saying on her podcast, she now eats breakfast shortly after waking and then around dinner at six-ish. I'm not sure which approach to take, but I'm afraid to stop my fasting. My weight loss has been creeping up 10 pounds since last summer, so maybe I need to shift to more protein and a shorter fast. Great question. 
Yes. Thank you so much for this question, Katie. Now, this is a question where if Melanie was here, we'd probably have a little bit different responses because I know that she has a little bit of a different approach than I do. And she tends to do that shorter eating window, more OMAD style, but with a long window where she gets all of her protein in in that day. Now, as for me, I do approach it a little bit differently and I have been changing it up in the last years. I have been trying different approaches. Now, I found that when I'm traveling and we're at a resort, which is kind of where this all started, it was way easier for me to do the half board. It's a very, really common thing at resorts here in Europe and in Greece where we go. They have this breakfast option with this incredible breakfast buffet. So I had to get that in. And then I ended up just fasting until dinner because I felt fully satisfied from an amazing nutrient-dense breakfast. And that was a way for me to adapt in that situation. Then I kept doing it for a while we were home, but I naturally started gravitating back towards doing more of the 16-8, the lunch and dinner. And I've talked to a lot of experts about this, especially Dr. Don Lehman. And I am not a big fan personally of OMAD unless someone maybe is using it to either lose the last five to 10 pounds, and then they just want to maintain and just eat one meal a day because they like that. So some people really like that routine. It frees up your day from having to cook and prepare meals and clean up after. You could just eat once. And some people love that. Now, I find that in terms of like my personal approach, it's optimal for me to eat around midday. It's usually after my fasted workout and I feel great having a meal then at that time. It works really well for me socially as well. And I'm also not hungry just like you in the mornings. I just don't typically have a big appetite in the morning. So it just suits me better. I find I'm more energetic when I'm out doing errands or working out. And I have found that to work really well for me. So I prefer to have a 16-8 eating window. I don't think you need to get it in four to six hours. Like I think if you are someone who is over the age of 40, you won't. I personally believe you should be eating at least twice a day and protein-focused meals at both of those meals because our rates of muscle protein breakdown do go up and we have lower levels of hormones as we get older. And so we don't have the same anabolic signals or stimulus that we used to with hormones. So instead of having those hormone levels helping us to retain our muscle, now we have to use protein, protein intake to get enough protein at a meal to initiate muscle protein synthesis and resistance training provides another anabolic signal to tell your body, we need this muscle. <laughs> She's using it. He's using it. We have to hold on to it and maybe even grow it. And you have to send those signals that way because you don't have those hormones to rely on anymore. I also don't like too much extended fasting past the age of 40 because that muscle is so precious and it's hard to put muscle on. Like It's really hard to put muscle on and it's hard to maintain it as well and also to have strong muscles and bones. So resistance training, anywhere from two to four times a week at a minimum two a week and a minimum two meals a day 
if you really want to focus on building muscle, minimum three meals a day. And I sometimes do that. I sometimes have lunch, dinner, and I often will have a protein shake after dinner with tone protein. Now I'm having two a day. So you could say I'm up to four a day. And I'm not really concerned uh, about the fasting window. So you're, you sort of ended the question saying that your weight's been creeping up about 10 pounds. If you're after body recomp, you know, body recomposition, fat loss, and retention of your lean mass, I would say to me, this is like a great switch up going from fasting 18 up to 22, 24 hours a day to now you're eating two meals. I can't tell you how many messages and emails I get from people who say they've added in another protein meal and their fat loss has really ramped up effortlessly. Because you also get, you know, the satiating effect from the protein that's so high, the thermic effect of protein, which helps you burn more calories. I've just get countless messages from people saying that they've added in either they've gone from one meal a day to two, or they've gone from two to three, and they're just eating more protein and they're suddenly their clothes are fitting better and they've lost 10 to 20 pounds. So, you know, if you're feeling stuck, there's no better time than to try a different approach to switch it up. And, you know, I would not worry about trying to fast the most amount of hours in a day. I think you're going to get better results if you add a protein meal in. What do you think, Scott? I completely agree. I think you're going to get better results by adding in more protein and having a, a larger eating window. So my wife actually, she's going to kill me if she hears this podcast. I remember this. Yeah. <laughs> my wife went into menopause about 18 months ago. And put on about 10 or 15 pounds. And I, you know, I'm not saying a word, even though, you know, I just, I'm not saying anything. But one day she finally says, how could I maybe, you know, lose some weight? I feel like I'm gaining a lot of weight since menopause. And I said, we could try this. She's just, are you saying I'm bad? I'm like, no, you asked me my opinion. But what we did is we just added protein to her diet in the morning, which helped curb her typically high carbohydrate meal in the afternoon. So I just added in berberine and 20 grams of tone in the, the two grams of additional leucine. She's lost about six pounds in about six weeks, which she's thrilled about. And that's without any hormone treatment. So she is going to examine like maybe some low hormone treatment, including testosterone. I think women underestimate the need for testosterone because you don't just lose estrogen. You lose, you know, all of the, the hormones, including testosterone, which is highly anabolic. And Vanessa brought up a lot of good points that, you know, protein itself is thermogenic, but when you have more muscle mass, you're burning more calories effortlessly because those muscles require a high caloric intake. You're able to do more exercise. But at the end of the day, what you're also doing when you're kind of starving yourself is you're losing your muscle mass and making it harder for your body to lose the fat because you're burning muscle mass and fat equally. When, you're, when your body's in that sort of starvation mode, if you were to increase your fast to 22 to 24 hours, I think your body would just kind of go into starvation mode and you get what's called you know skinny fat, right? Where you, you might not be necessarily overweight, but you might not have the muscle mass you need. And we know that as you age, muscle mass, particularly post-menopause, is so important for both men and women over the age of 50 to predict their overall health span, and their longevity. So I, I think this is a great time. I mean, it seems like you, you're gaining some weight with what you're currently doing. I don't think extending your fast is going to do any good. And I know Vanessa has several studies that have also suggested that 
fasting with additional protein actually has a better output in terms of body composition and weight loss, or at least body composition and fat loss, I should say, sometimes we get weight and fat confused. It's definitely from the research I've seen that she shared the way to go. I think this is the perfect time to try it. I, I would definitely go that route. Yeah. I'm excited, you know, to hear how it goes. If you end up trying that, I think that, uh, you know, it would be great if you could, if you want to share report back and, and see how it's going. And I definitely recommend getting body composition scans done like now at this point when you're starting and then checking back, because oftentimes what happens with a lot of the people that I've worked with or hear from their weight usually stays the same (laughs) or it goes up a little on the scale, but it's because they're burning fat and they are either retaining more muscle or gaining some muscle. So like with your wife's story, I'm betting that six pounds is like all fat. And i that's a huge amount <laughs> of just pure body fat to lose a fat mass to lose and probably cut down her body fat percentage by a lot. And it's really motivating when you have a DEXA body scan, say every six months. So like do it now. I would recommend doing one now. Just Google DEXA scan near me and do one in six months or in 12 months. And I think you'll be really happy with the progress that you see, you know, just to know also how much lean body mass you have is great. So scans usually tell you what your resting metabolic rate is, and then you can figure out, you know, how many calories to eat at maintenance. I just find it so motivating to get those done. Yeah, I agree. All right. So our next question comes to us from Marissa. And she says, can you please address isoleucine restriction as it relates to longevity? I understand that is a major factor for muscle protein synthesis, but there is also evidence that restriction is beneficial. So this is a, it's a great question. And I, I actually took the time to look up the study that was connected from Marissa. We could put that in the show notes. It was a, it was a study done in mouse. And I just want to take a moment to delineate between isoleucine and leucine. Leucine, isoleucine, and valine are considered your branch chain amino acids, and they're typically sold in a ratio of two, two, one, one, meaning two of leucine, one of isoleucine, one of valine. This study looked at restricting just isoleucine, but not leucine and not valine, just restricting the isoleucine, which is not what is in tone and is not what we did. So when we created the leucine capsules, we deliberately did not go with a BCAA, we went with a a leucine-only capsule. So this study I found particularly interesting because it does suggest that by reducing the isoleucine intake, but not the leucine or other amino acids, you have a lower glycemic index and the, the mice, both their health span and longevity span increased. Now, I have not seen this data in humans, and I don't think we'll see it for, for quite some time, but the study in the mice was pretty compelling in terms of their blood sugar, their health span, their longevity, and their overall you know, seeming of performance by reducing the isoleucine. So the beautiful part about what we're doing is it's just the leucine, right? The leucine capsules and the leucine only. Now, whey protein does have isoleucine in it, but not nearly enough that I think is going to, you know, kind of bump the, this Beyond this, I don't have any human data to suggest what that, you know, gram per day is. But even in the essential amino acid we created, we went, again, high on leucine, moderate to low on isoleucine, and then actually higher on lysine and some other amino acids in the the formula that, that we've created. 
So there, there does seem to be some science behind this, which means you may want to go with just the leucine caps and the tone and or the tone protein leucine caps and check out our EA blend when that comes out. And for me, though, the other thing I read, I read some additional studies that were linked to this study. It also showed that if you're exercising, particularly weight resistance exercising, that all of these isoleucine issues were basically null and void, right? So as long as you're doing significant, not significant, moderate amounts of both cardio, but in particular, uh, weight resistance training, that the isoleucine didn't seem to have nearly the impact it did in a non-active mouse or non-active person. So the, the studies I'm referring to were in humans that showed, no, actually, I'm sorry, they were in mice that showed that if the mice were doing active, you know, physical workouts, difficult workouts, the isoleucine had no impact on their overall longevity or health. Hey, friends, I'm about to tell you how to get a discount on my favorite vitamin D supplement on the market. Vitamin D is a crucial element for our health, and it's estimated that most people are deficient in it. It's super important for immunity, metabolism, mood, your bones, and just overall health and wellness. And here's the thing. A lot of supplements on the market are sketchy, they have problematic fillers, and you don't know if you're actually getting what you want to be getting. That's why I am thrilled that MD Logic has truly set the standard for vitamin supplementation, and they have done it again with their new D3K2. They meticulously designed their D3K2 with purity, potency, and synergistic performance. Here's why, friends. MD Logic's D3K2 is a pure, natural, vegan form of D3 from lichens. This type of vitamin D is highly bioavailable to support your body's various functions. And then it is synergistically blended with both forms of K2, MK4, and MK7. Those work together to optimize calcium metabolism. Then for the actual production, the capsules are chlorophyll encapsulated, which ensures stability and efficient absorption. So you're not going to have problematic ingredients and preservatives, just the good stuff, and you're going to actually absorb this D3K2. Of course, all of MD Logic supplements are made in the USA and in a GMP laboratory tested facility. They come in amber glass jars for the ultimate in sustainability because not only does MD Logic care about your health, they also care about the planet. And then they go above and beyond with testing. So every single ingredient is individually tested for identity to ensure that it is what it says it is, for purity to make sure it's free of impurities, contaminants, and adulterants, for strength to make sure it is the specific amount of ingredients that it says it is for consistent dosing. And friends, there are shocking studies on mainstream brand supplement companies where stuff just doesn't match what they say on the bottle. MD Logic also tests for composition and for microbial contamination. So friends, if you want to truly optimize your, your so friends, if you want to truly optimize your vitamin D levels, you want MD Logic's D3K2. I recommend it to everyone. And you can get 10% off with the coupon code IFPODCAST. For that, just go to mdlogichealth.com and use coupon code IFPODCAST to get 10% off MD Logic's D3K2 as well as 10% off site wide. Again, that's mdlogichealth.com with coupon code IFPODCAST for 10% off their D3K2 as well as 10% off site wide. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. Yeah, I always go back to the fact that you know, you could add on a few years, maybe 
live a little bit longer if your ultimate goal is just to live the longest, but how, what do you want your quality of life to be? At that point, for me, I want to be strong and healthy and vital and energized. And I don't want to just be living as long as possible, but frail. So, you know, when it comes to restricting certain, you know, amino acids, restricting protein, turning off mTOR, which switching off mTOR, which a lot of people are doing with things like rapamycin. I don't know if it's the best idea if you want to be strong and you want to be running around and and enjoying your life as much as possible. I'm okay with not living an extra two years and being frail and unable to do anything. You know, I've, we've all seen family members in that situation and it's, you know, I don't think it's a really high quality of life. So I'd rather have a higher quality of life and maybe live a year or two less than I possibly could by restricting myself. Like I could fast every day and maybe add on some more time, but what's the point if like I have no real muscle mass left and I can't get myself up from the floor or a chair or anything like that. You know, it's, you really want to think about, I think your, your quality of life. So there's definitely a lot of research showing that protein restriction, amino acid restriction, mTOR, you know, suppression can add more years to, you know, the lives of rodents, but what is the quality of those years? What's the health span? So I think it's a trade-off. I do personally do extended fasts a few times a year for autophagy. And there's definitely suppression of mTOR that happens then, but it's so tiny, minuscule even compared to my everyday life where I'm optimizing for optimal protein intake for taking in, you know, all the amino acids to help me stay strong and and just go after all my dreams and live the life that I, I want to. And I ultimately, that's what it comes down to for me is that kind of the, there are trade-offs, you know, and uh, you have to choose which ones you want to, to optimize for. It's kind of paradoxical because every single bit of data we have supports that lower leg strength, grip strength, lean muscle mass, all of those are in the top five predictors of both health and lifespan as we age. So it's, it's paradoxical to me that you know, this, this lower protein concept and this low, like eat low calories and you'll live longer. But yet to your point, you might be living a very frail life. And if you do happen to have a slip or a fall and you break a hip because you don't have any muscle mass, you know, you're toast, but, but you can look this up on Google. You can find dozens and dozens of studies on grip strength, leg strength, lean muscle mass, overall body strength, it's always, always, always in the top, you know, five things that are going to predict your longevity and your health span. So it's it's just a weird paradox to me that this low protein concept or low caloric intake concept over lengthy periods of time works. And there was a monkey study done in like the 90s. I forget if it was chimpanzees or what type of primate it was or monkey. But the monkeys that lived longer were basically kind of miserable and gray and they didn't look good and they weren't happy. They were, it wasn't a great life. They might've lived six months longer, but to your point, Vanessa, not a, not a great life. So um, I'm with you on both the, have a, a healthier health span and maybe give up a year or two, but I'm not sure that that, that data is going to pan out in the long run because I just see, I just see too much data to support muscle strength, lean muscle mass is, is critical for longevity and, and health span. Not surprised that we're on the same page about this. And 
yeah, I, I think it's a great question. I think it's definitely something to to definitely keep in mind and consider. And, you know, the the research on life extension and caloric restriction for that is pretty compelling. But again, like how do you want the quality of those those years to be? And like you said, in in that those primates sounded like they were not <laughs> They were not uh, too happy just existing like that. But as this particular question relates, it was specific to isoleucine. So to me, I don't have much of an issue reducing isoleucine. You know, I'm going to do a little more digging into it because if I'm getting my leucine and then just enough isoleucine to keep my my total protein complete, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. So because, I th- again, I think leucine is your main, your main player. As long as you have enough isoleucine and complete protein, I, th- I think you're fine. So I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because that one, by eliminating that one amino acid, it does help. Great. I think we're on the same page with just generally more, you know, more protein, keeping your muscle mass is, is the best option. Absolutely. All right. So our next question comes to us from Stephanie and she says, what are your thoughts on taking mineral supplements? Specifically, I've been hearing oodles of information on fulvic and humic acids. Just wondering, geez, there are so many supplements out there. It's really hard to know what to take and if we even need minerals. So yes, we absolutely need minerals. Minerals, I think, get a bad rap in terms of because they're sort of kind of thought of as basic. People don't recognize all the different minerals and, and how important they are. Fulvic acid and, and humic acid are great ways to get small amounts of trace minerals and modest amounts of some of your larger minerals. You get about 70 to 75 in a fulvic acid, between 80 and 85 in a, in a humic acid. They're, they're very closely related. You do have to source it properly because they're generally kind of dug up from salts and dirt sort of i shouldn't say dirt but basically out of the earth right and so you want to make sure you're getting a high quality source that's not contaminated and it's tested but those are really good ways to get a lot of nutrients and minerals that you you wouldn't otherwise get another great way to do it is a multivitamin that has all of you know your main minerals and your trace minerals and just to to emphasize how important minerals are, so we all we've all heard about magnesium, right? They're saying now upwards of six hundred different enzymatic processes are conducted by magnesium. That is a remarkable amount. You can't make your neurotransmitters properly without magnesium. Zinc is also required for your D, for DNA for wound healing. Copper is required for collagen synthesis, wound healing. Let's see, you've got boron that helps with your bone structure, that also helps with some brain function and fertility and testosterone in men, fertility for women and testosterone and fertility for men. But definitely it's a factor in strong bones. You've also got selenium, which is very important for your immune system. So are minerals important and do we need them? Absolutely. And I think we probably have more of a mineral deficiency in this country than we could possibly imagine way beyond just magnesium. We know we're monocropping and our soils are really deplete of minerals. I take a multi-mineral every day plus a trace mineral and I often will seek out products that have a little fulvic acid or or humic acid in it. Although it's not been my go-to because I try to, you know, look at a simple way to get multivitamins or multiminerals in a, like a multivitamin, for example, 
makes it simple or I bought a few products that I'm looking to create that have all the minerals I want in them along with some trace minerals. So yes, minerals are exceedingly important on their own right, but then they also act as cofactors for all kinds of things, protein synthesis, muscle recovery, as electrolytes, which is very important for your heart rate and your brain function and your neurotransmitters. I could go on and on, but yes, they're very, very important. And I think a wide spectrum general multi-mineral will get the job done for the average person. And if you want to go with fulvic or humic acid, I think that's a great way to start. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing all of that. Now we have one last question on today's episode from Lori on Facebook, if you'd like to read it. Absolutely. Lori, thanks for the question. I'd love ideas on how to firm up my skin after weight loss after the age of 50. I wish I could afford a juve, but are there any more affordable options? Well, absolutely there are. So the first one I'll mention is our wonderful host. Vanessa has multiple red lights now, and I think others in development, and she's got really high quality panels. It matters what the the power of, of those are. It matters what the the depth is, and it matters what the nanometers are of those lights. And Vanessa's done all of that research to give you a really affordable, great quality, long-lasting product. So I would highly recommend that. There are other products you can use for different applications. I do also, beyond Vanessa's panel, also use some pads. For, for my daughter, for example, she runs Division One track. So sometimes she'll get like a cramp on her lower back. And I just bought her like this high-powered sort of belt that goes around her back so she can get that or it wraps around her hamstrings if she's having some hamstring issues. And that's really because I know my daughter's not going to take the time to put the panel on. And if, if I can just strap it on her and it, let her walk around with it, she's she's going to use it. So it really depends on, on uh, what your use is. But there are a lot of other brands, but I would start with Vanessa's because I know she's done the research and I know it works. I wish I could afford a juve too, but I don't think it's any better than the products you can get for much less money. I think the big advantage is it's a giant, you know, full body board. They're a great company, but I I I don't think I could afford a fifteen hundred dollar mat. So I'll I'll pass on that. You know, it also says other. She also said other ideas. So I don't know if you have other ideas on firming up skin. Maybe hyaluronic acid or something. Yes. Yeah, so a couple things. Thank you so much for mentioning the Tone Lux line of red light therapy panels. I created them with love and. You know, we definitely love Juve on this podcast. They've been a sponsor for years and, you know, they have amazing full body panels. You also have a lot of alternatives out there. You can check out the Tone Lux line that I created as well. And, you know, there's a lot you can do with a half body panel. You can pretty much target your whole body with a half body panel without needing to do, you know, have a full body panel. But I have a couple of things that I love. So I think the number one thing that I wish I had learned when I was younger, well, there's two. The first is exfoliation. That I actually have been doing for a long time. So once or twice a week, I use a scrub on my face because one of the main ways to keep your skin looking youthful is to get rid of the old skin cells. So if you use a scrub on your face, there's some great ones out there. You will help your body in clearing out those dead skin cells and help that cellular renewal on your skin. So that that one I do and have been doing for a long time. The one that I wish I knew about earlier was serums because I always thought that moisturizer was what you needed, but actually moisturizer helps you keep and lock moisture in. But what's really helpful is 
using serums. So vitamin C serums, retinoid serums, serums with retinol in them. If you're not pregnant, of course, I haven't been using the retinol ones, but I'm looking forward to using them again as I get back into my routines. And they can be really powerful, really helpful. I interviewed this amazing plastic surgeon, Dr. Anthony Yoon, and he really was explaining this to me about the power of retinoids and and just vitamin C serum. So after, you know, cleansing the skin in the morning and night, putting, you know, using some toner if possible, he says it's not necessarily necessary, but definitely using a serum. And that really helps. That actually improves your skin. Whereas putting a moisturizer, which you do after that is more for comfort. And I think a lot of people have that twisted like I did for so long. I thought, well, moisturizer makes your skin more moist and and more hydrated, but it doesn't. It just like locks it in. So it's a good idea to do use moisturizer on your body and skin after you shower. When you have a lot of moisture there, you can lock that in. But in terms of actually having beneficial effects, the serums are really, really important. And the last thing that I do is I mentioned I do, you know, a couple of extended fasts throughout the year. I find that that is amazing for autophagy and my skin always feels and looks incredible. And the autophagy really is clearing out those dead skin cells, not only inside our bodies, but also on the skin surface. And so, you know, making sure that you have no contraindications for that, if that's something you're interested in, you know, you can definitely get a lot of benefits. You have to be careful, talk to your care provider, make sure if you're on medication, especially because your levels of medication can change a lot if you're doing an extended fast. But once a year, a 36 hour, two, three day, up to four or five days can do amazing things for not just the whole body. You know, we were talking about how so many of the biohacks that we do today, it's really just to get back to homeostasis, to get out of our own way And, you know, once in a while, I do like those for the skin. I think it can be beneficial, but you really don't want to overdo it. You don't want to, you know, go into too much proteolysis and and break down your muscle and lose your your hard-earned muscle. And if you're in a situation where, you know, you don't have that much lean body mass or your low body weight, it's probably not the best idea either. So those are just a few things. And I think that uh, they can be really beneficial. And of course, the red light therapy I'm obsessed with. And and it's why I recently launched the crystal, the Tonelux crystal red light therapy mask, because it is amazing. There are so many powerful benefits to these different wavelengths of light, especially in the red, near infrared and orange spectrum of the the sun. But you can get that therapeutically without the harmful rays that come from the sun that can actually create sunspots or exposure. And I'm all about getting, you know, good amount of sun exposure, but not overdoing it. You know, it's so great for vitamin D and, and for getting all those wavelengths, but you have to also... If you overdo it, you can end up with sunspots like like I did. I have a couple and I'm using the crystal masks to help with that. And I'm noticing some big improvements. And I've gotten so much feedback from people who've purchased the Tone Lux Sapphire panel, who've purchased some of the other panels that their dermatologists are saying, wow, I'm seeing major improvements. So that's like the best validation for me that the powers are the panels are powerful and effective. 
And it just makes me so happy when I get feedback like that. So thanks again for mentioning those. And thanks again for the wonderful question. We had so many fantastic questions between these two episodes. I so appreciate you being here, Scott, taking the time to to answer and opine and share your expertise and knowledge with the guests. So thank you so much for being here and for joining us today. Where can everyone connect with you and follow you online and maybe even connect with you if they have a question? Well, thank you so much for having me. I, I always learn a ton. Like I said, I really enjoy getting these questions. They're always really well thought out and uh, very, very specific. And it, it really helps keep me informed. And it's my pleasure to help people help themselves. So thank you for having me. If you'd like to reach out to me directly, you can do so on Instagram at Longevity Protocol. I also have an account called Collagen Guru, but I don't check that one that often. But Longevity Protocol is my main Instagram handle. You can also reach me through our website, mdlogichealth.com. That's www.mdlogichealth.com. If you just go to the contact us and say, I, you know, I'd like to speak to Scott Emmons about such and such. I don't necessarily take, you know, questions just in general, but if you have a specific reason that you're reaching out about a product or something that you'd like to partner with us on, you can reach me there or my DM on Instagram are the two best ways to do that. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Scott, for being here. I really, truly appreciate it. And I had such a wonderful time and appreciate all the brilliant questions that we received. So thank you to all of you. Now you can you can catch up with me and follow me on Instagram at Ketogenic Girl. And you can also check out the Optimal Protein Podcast. And you can check out the Tone Device, the Tone Lux Red Light therapy line that I created at ketogenicgirl.com. And we will link everything in the show notes for you all as usual. So sending you all so much love. Thanks for being here. And we'll catch you guys on the next one. Much appreciated. Take care. Bye, Vanessa. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, everything we discussed on this show does not constitute medical advice and no patient-doctor relationship is formed. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on iTunes. We couldn't do this without our amazing team. Administration by Sharon Merriman, editing by Podcast Doctors, show notes and artwork by Brianna Joyner, and original theme composed by Leland Cox and recomposed by Steve Saunders. See you next week.